you got your Bibles, open them up. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 is where we're going to be at this morning. Hopefully you uh, got some rest, which I'm pretty sure most of you did not. Uh, so hopefully no sleeping in here. I'll, you know, try to wake you up if not. But Ecclesiastes 2, again, last night we talked about what it looks like of Solomon, who wrote this book, Ecclesiastes, he gets the end of his life, the end of this chapter, and he says, look, I've done it all, just like we saw in that video. I did it all. I've experienced. I've had all the resources. And he hasn't said it yet from the video, but I'm sure it's going to get to because the end of this book, he comes and he says, the whole point is this, fear God, be in awe of him. And I've done everything under the sun. And at the end of it, I'm just telling you, fear God. Be in awe of him and just obey him. It's the chief end of man. That's that's what we're here to do. Well, I want to now back up to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon does something really interesting. We see it here in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, come, I'll test you with pleasures. I want to see what children of man do under heaven during their few days of life. So he's saying, I want to find out where to find purpose, where to find meaning. So he's going to go on to say, I've done this, I'll try this, I'll do all of these things. Find it in money, find it in relationships, find it in buildings, finding it in businesses. And he does it, he does it all, and he has the resources and the ability to do it. And he says this. In verse 9 of chapter 2, you have it? Here we go, read along. It says this, so Solomon says this, I've become great. I surpassed all before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I didn't keep from them. I kept my heart no pleasure. I kept from my heart no pleasure. My heart found pleasure in all my toil. This was the reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, the toil, the work I expended in doing it. And behold, it's all vanity, a striving after the wind. Nothing was to be gained under the sun. He says, As I, if I saw it, I did it. If I wanted it, I got it. And as I look at my life and everything that happened in there, it's vanity, it's, it's foolish, it's, it's pointless. And he says a phrase I think is interesting and I want to talk about here in a few minutes. He says it's, it's a chasing after the wind. He had it all. And he comes to this point and says, what are we doing here? That's what I want to talk about. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for this morning for the worship team, for the videos that Hume's put together. Thanks for the teams of people that are going into this camp to make it work. I pray right now for the hearts of the students in this room. Your spirit moves in their hearts, starts to open up their minds, and they're engaging in questions maybe that they might have. May they write those questions out and get some of those questions answered. May you move in this place, we pray. Amen. So Pokemon cards, huh? I don't get it. My kids have gone back and forth with them. There's a season they love it, and then a season they're just giving them away because they don't care about it anymore, and then a season that they love it again, 
and then a season they just don't care about it. And it's weird. I don't know what season they're in now, but some of you might dig it. I never got on Pokemon train. I don't get it at all. And if you want to explain it to me, I don't really care too much about it. My kids have tried to explain it, and I don't get it. What's the card do? What's it mean? I don't know, but my kids love it, man. This one's super shiny. I'm like, oh, or you could keep 10 bucks, and that's cool too. But here's what happened, right? If you don't know about Pokemon cards, maybe you know more than me. I'm sure you do, right? But my kids, they would, you know, do some chores around the house. Um, they'd get money, especially my boy, August. He'd get money, and then he wants to go right away to Target, and there's a wall of little cards that you could choose which one is going to be the one that you want, right? And, and he gets so excited about this, he'll get the money he's worked hard for, and he wants to go right away, and he goes. And every time, he's so jazzed as he gets in the car, in the car to go to Target, because in his head, there's this anticipation, today's going to be the day. Today's going to be the day that I go and I find that one stack and I'm going to open up that stack of cards and every card is going to be the card of my dreams. And every card is going to be one of those things that I give to other friends that are like, I can't believe you have fill in the blank of nerd cards, right? Like, I don't know what those cards are that, that they love. The shiny little one that has the whatever number uh, that beats that dragon thing, right? But that's the one that he wants. And every... Every time he goes to this wall, he's like, all right, is it this one? No, nope, it's not that pack. It's maybe this one. And then he finally gets it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You just pick something, right? Just get anything. So he gets it. I'm like, you sure that's the one? He's like, this is it, Dad. He's so fired up. We go. We pay. We get in the car. And every time it happens the same way. He tears it open. He's so excited, right? He tears it open with the anticipation. This is going to satisfy. This is the moment. And he's like, eh. As he's going through it, this card, not good. This card, mm. this card, not too good. This card, it's okay, it's okay, all right? And he puts it on the side and then another one. And this thing that was supposed to bring him so much excitement and joy that he's done many times before always ends the same way thing that was supposed to bring so much fulfillment and, and excitement just seems to let him down. Now it's Pokemon cards and it is what it is, right? He gets on a kick on it and then he doesn't care about it anymore. Some of you don't care at all about Pokemon cards. I get that. But you care about something and you're, you're putting that same kind of joy, fill in the blank. I don't know what it is for you, but you know you know that thing that you have so much excitement and hope that once I get it now, it'll actually fulfill me. It'll give me that hope and joy that I've been putting all my cards into. But Solomon, the wisest person, the wisest king, God has given him that wisdom that he asked for to rule, to live life. And in here in chapter 2, at the very beginning of the book, he says, I want to... See what's worthwhile to do under the sun, basically, while I'm here alive on this short time on earth. Now, some of us, again, we were like, yeah, but did he really do everything? He had all the resources to do anything in your wildest dreams. Solomon was able to do it and probably did it. Again, we read about that in chapter 2. What do we read about he, he had the most success. Stop. Just that alone, right? He had the most success. 
so popular, and some of you are begging for popularity, but he was that. He had the best houses, not just house, houses, right? The most possessions lived the richest lifestyle you could even, you can't even fathom. He was the most sophisticated. He had the finest wines, most incredible parties, the biggest feasts, the greenest lawns, the best servants, more money than you could even sort of even think about having. He had it. Military fame, popularity, endless entertainment, pleasures, as if anyone else could even think about indulging, and he had it. And he says in verse 11 that it was all empty, meaningless, pointless. And he uses this phrase, a chasing after the wind. And I think that's an interesting phrase. A chasing after the wind. A few weeks ago down in Long Beach, I don't know how, uh, any SoCal people in here? My man. Four of you. Awesome, right? So, uh, I, again, I know it's so weird, but once you come over the grapevine, it just does seem like different kind of climate things. But down in Long Beach, about three weeks ago or something, man, we had some crazy wind, crazy rain. It was nuts. And about three in the morning, I got this cute little golden doodle dog. She's awesome, but she's a monster, right? But uh, she, she woke me up barking like crazy. And, uh, and, and so she's just going crazy in the kitchen. I'm like, what is going on, right? I come out. I'm like, Scout, what, what are we doing? She talks to me. She's like, hey, there's something outside. I'm like, all right, well, you want to go outside? She's like, yes, there's like a possum or something, but it's making noise. I was like, all right, go get it, right? So she, I open the door and this dog stands up on the porch and she's like, what is happening? There's wind just blowing ever. Her, you know, hair is just flying all over. And she's just like, ha, ha, biting the wind, right? She's like, I don't know what this is. But this isn't a possum or a cat. This is something different. Trees are all moving. And I kid you not, for probably about 15 minutes, 3 o'clock in, mor- in the morning, my dog is literally running and jumping in the air with its paws and its mouth trying to bite the wind. And I'm like, you are so dumb, right? And I'm so tired. But she's not coming in because she's doing all that she can to catch that wind, to bite the wind. I don't know who looks sillier, her or me, because I'm out there just watching her. And I'm like, this is foolish. This is crazy. Why? Because as much as she tries, she's not going to catch the wind. You can't catch the wind. Solomon is saying, is you put your hope and your trust and your identity and your purpose and all of these things that are just here today and gone tomorrow, it's foolish. It's like chasing the wind. Is it okay? Isn't it fun? Sure, my dog loved it. It's fine to go and do it. I like standing out in the wind as it's moving around. It's, it's overwhelming to see the trees blowing and, and all that stuff. But I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not going to catch it. I'm not putting my hope and my purpose in that. And that's what Paul, uh, the, the Solomon is saying. You, you can't hold on to it. It's scary when we think about putting our hope, our time, our purpose in things that fade so quickly. And so then, student, I would ask you to not say it out loud. I want you to really think about, as I was joking around a little bit about my kids thinking about Pokemon cards. That's Pokemon cards, right? It doesn't make or break their life, but for that moment, obviously it affects them. 
But I want you to think for you, not, your per, not the person next to you, just you, for a moment. Engage. Here it is. Where are you trying to find hope and purpose in life? Think about it. And Christians in the room, I think maybe automatically you're like, in God. I would love to hear that. But as you look at your life, is that true about your life? Or is that something you just say? Because when you really start to think about it, where are you trying to find hope and purpose? Is it in your friends, in relationships, in sports, in school? You wake up and you're going to school and you're like, man, if that one person talks to me today, it's all great. Life is going to be good. If they don't, it's going to kind of be miserable. Look where you're putting your hope and purpose and identity in. The hope that that one person says hey to you. And if they don't, do you know how much power you just gave them over your life? And you won't say it, but you act it. If I get on that sports team, then it'll all be good. If I do so well in school, then everyone will be proud of me. And all those things are good things. But they can't be the final thing. Because some of you in just your young age, you already understand the point of what I'm about to say. That you know, once you get that one thing, and you've all gotten that one thing, once you get it, are you just satisfied? Is it like you need nothing else more in life? Are you really content? I will finally be happy when. Fill in the blank. Think about it. What's that for you? I'll finally be happy. I'll finally just be fulfilled when. What? Is it? It's all unique for each one of us. But like Solomon, he's saying, it won't work. And in your heart of hearts, if you're honest with yourself, you know it won't work because it's not worked in your life. You find yourself chasing after the wind. There's a line in the movie, you might have missed it. This, the guy uh, you know, with, with the glasses, he's, he's talking to the, the uh, interviewer guy, the Brock character. And he says, you know what's so interesting? One thing that I, that I, when I, I, I always seem to want one thing. And Brock guy's like, ooh, what is it? What's that one thing? Anybody catch what he says? More. And I think that's really interesting because it's a reality of all of us. Once you get something, you always want more. And, and he's saying, all of these things aren't going to satisfy. It's a chasing after the wind. Now look, pleasures, desires, those things aren't bad, but they can't be our final goal. There's an author, a speaker, a, a pastor, his name is John Piper, and he says this. And it blows my mind. I don't want to lose you on it, so just listen. It's cool. It says this. Our problem is not big desires. The problem in this room that we have, it's not big desires, our problem is small desires for big things. It's not that you shouldn't have big desires. Have big desires. Piper is saying the problem is you have small desires for big things. Meaning you have a small desire for him. And you have wrong desires for other things. We're focused on the wrong thing. And we're so far too easily pleased. I'm picking on my son again. He, he, he plays sports a lot, so is my daughter. Um, 
But my son just burns a lot of energy, dude. He's just running all the time. He plays you know, basketball, and they'll come home, and he has to eat real quick and then go to soccer. And he's so, I mean, you kind of get, like, hangry, right? Like, he, he has to eat, um, and, and otherwise he's kind of mad all the time, right? So I'm like, quit being mad, eat some food. So he's so hungry, right? And I'm like, just go get some food in your stomach. You got to have it. So what does he do? He goes in the pantry, and he gets Takis, like a lot of Takis. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I got to eat, right? So he's crushing these Takis. I'm like... Make yourself a sandwich, like something that's sustaining. He's like, oh, I don't want to need that. I need Takis and I need, uh, you know, um, Reese's peanut butter cups, right? And he'll just pop those things in his mouth. And I'm like, that's not sustaining you. That's actually doing nothing for you except destroying your stomach, right? If you are hungry and you, are, you need to eat actually food that will sustain you, that will actually ultimately satisfy you. We're putting the wrong things in and we're trying to get different results. God wants us to be satisfied, but we're looking at it in the wrong place. And he says, again, going back to last night, look to me. I'm the author of hope. I'm the author of love. I'm the author of peace. And those are the things we're looking for. So stop settling in the wrong places. Hebrews 10 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God's the one that will never let us down. And that's what Solomon is saying. He's like, look, I've done all these things. At the end of my life, I've said, look, just fear God. Keep his commands. Listen to him. He knows what's what. God is unchanging. Unlike the wind, he's constant. That's where we should look for hope, satisfaction, purpose. Unlike the world that looks for it in the wrong places. We're trying to find satisfaction in, in things other than God. But that's not a new thing, friends. That's been happening since basically chapter two of the Bible. You see, in the beginning, God, we talked about it yesterday, God created all of these things all around us, and then he creates man, woman, to what? Enjoy him. And in, in chapter three in Genesis, we see again that God walks with his creation, that he's not distant and again, we talked about it should blow our minds, that God cares about us, that he wants to walk with us. And in the garden, they had everything. Adam, Eve had everything, all at their fingertips. Most importantly, they had the Lord who would walk with them. And they were created to enjoy him until they wanted something more. And God says, look, you have me. You don't need anything else. Enjoy everything except for this one thing. Don't, don't take a bite of this fruit here, but you get out of everything else. And they're like, yeah, but we want, you, we want everything here. And you know, we like this relationship with you, but we want this. And he's like, you don't want that. You want me. And they're like, well, actually, we want something else. And so they disobey God and they rebel against God. And we could be like, well, that's Adam and Eve. Why does that affect me? Because we do the same thing. We want something other than God. Thinking that it will ultimately satisfy us, and it doesn't. And we see that in chapter 3 of the first book of the Bible in Genesis. And unfortunately, that, that one little choice has devastating consequences on humanity. A thing called sin enters into humanity. Now, what is that word sin? We hear that in the Christian circle a lot. Well, what is sin? Sin is... Uh, a compromise, a going against God in our words, our thoughts, our deeds, our actions. 
God says something and we do the opposite. That, that's a sin. And, and we'll talk more about that tonight, but sin has devastating consequences. And some of you are living in some of those consequences of sin. Whether it's your own sin or other people's choices that affect you. But really quick, as we're closing things out this morning, humanity was made to walk and enjoy God. And Adam and Eve, the minute they sinned, what did they do? They hid from God, and guilt and shame enters into humanity. They're trying to find satisfaction in things other than God, and in sin always overpromises and underdelivers. And so what did sin do? It makes Adam and Eve hide in guilt and shame. And God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day saying, Adam and Eve, where are you? Humanity is made to enjoy him. And sin has separated them from their creator, from their purpose. So here's the big aha moment. You're wondering what your purpose in life is? It's to enjoy him. It's to show him off. That's why you're created on purpose, for the purpose of being united with him and enjoying him. And, and he allows us to do that. And yet sin, it separates us from him. And instead of giving you what you really think that you want, like it's going to satisfy you, it actually destroys your relationship with him. And it, it allows us to get away from him and just hide with guilt and shame. And some of you are living in that now. You're not created to do that. And you're finding yourself saying, is this world broken or is it just me? It's not just you. Sin is a big deal to God and sin has major consequences. You're created to walk with God, created to know him and be in awe of him and sin makes us hide. And more than that, and we'll talk about that later tonight, Friends, here's what I want to leave you with. Where are you ultimately trying to find hope and satisfaction? It's unique for each one of you. It's a really big question that you have to think about. Because it's not just you in the room feeling that this world isn't how it's supposed to be. The world is feeling it more now, I feel like, than ever. One last story, and then I'll get off this stage here, and we'll move on with our day. My friend and I, we were just talking. She was looking for opportunities. We were talking in life group. She's looking for opportunities for God to do things in her life. And just uh, you know, a few weeks ago, she was out uh, at the doctor's office, and this lady, she runs into this lady, and this lady was just overwhelmed with all this stuff in her life. And my friend Aaron, she's like, I felt like God was saying, say something, but I was just too scared, so I didn't. And this lady's just overwhelmed. Hey, do you know where this is? I don't know about this. Ah, all happened like in a quick moment. And then that lady leaves, and my friend Aaron, she's just kind of like, why didn't I say something? And she gets to the car with her little daughter. They're getting in the car, and then something happened where she's feeling like, man, I should have said something to this lady. Try to point her to the Lord. For some reason, they had to go back in because I, mean, I think her daughter forgot something. So they're walking back, and this lady runs into her again. And at that moment, this lady says to my friend Aaron, 
Is it just me or does life seem out of control right now? I mean, there's got to be more to life than this, right? It's a silver platter. And my friend Aaron looks at her and says, here we go, God. She says that there is so much more. And I understand that there is life is chaotic right now. But let me tell you about hope that I have. And she's able to share Jesus with this person who literally needed help, who needed just someone to see her, to say, look, life is crazy. I'm looking for things in the wrong way. Help me. Does anybody have an answer? And she says, I have an answer, and it's Jesus. I don't know the outcome. I don't know. She doesn't know if she gave her life to the Lord, but the reality is this. She gave hope to a hopeless situation. And friends, tonight, as we talk about who Jesus is and what he has done, tonight I get that opportunity to talk about hope. But you have to understand what sin is doing in our life and in our world, that it's making us run and hide from a God that says, no, come to me, because anything else will leave you unsatisfied. Solomon, he lived years and years and thousands of years before us. So you could say, ah, he doesn't get it. How wise can that guy be? But if you're honest with yourself, friends, you know there are things in your life that you're chasing and it's just not satisfying you the way you thought it was because God says nothing else will except for me. So where are you looking for hope? Where are you looking for purpose? Friends, don't look in the wrong places. Otherwise, you'll find yourself chasing after the wind. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Your truth speaks to us. And I hope... And pray, God, that it doesn't fall on deaf ears. That We don't just come to camp to just have fun. We come to camp and we will have fun. But, God, that we get transformed by truth. Almost every single one of us are going through things in our life down the hill that gets overwhelming. And this weekend, we're talking about ways to get through this chaotic world as we understand a right view of you. May we take things seriously. May we have great conversations. May we be open with and honest with ourselves and ask ourselves where we're looking for hope and purpose. God, may you turn our eyes to you. Be with this day be with our conversations, be with our activities and our fun and the conversations. May you get our hearts right tonight to be able to hear about the truth of what you've done for us. The fact that you give us hope. We love you. It's in your name we pray.